Transmitting from the Mojave Wilderness in Joshua Tree, California. Now is the time for Desert Oracle Radio, the voice of the desert. Well, night has fallen on the Mojave, and it's nighttime all across the American desert. And that is sure a relief this week. It got hot, and it got hot fast. Hope you enjoyed spring. I hope you got outside and did something. I managed to get up to the eastern Sierra for those last cool days, up around one of the best places, and I won't say exactly where, because I sure like how I never see any other people out there. Once you're past that last little town with the White Mountains rising up alongside Highway 6, well, then it's just a few minutes to Nevada, and then you're on the road to Tonopah, the road to Great Basin National Park, or up to the Ruby Mountains, out to Windover. Every direction is good out there. Go down to Lincoln County if you like. Go at night and watch the skies. Stop for a beer and a grilled cheese at the little alien and Rachel. But if you go just six miles up from the California-Nevada state line, you'll come across a place that looks very weird from above. Very weird when photographed by satellite. Raphael Mazor posted a couple of pictures on the internet, on Twitter, if you want to get specific about it. Pictures that show hundreds of circles along the Bajada, the big alluvial wash coming down from Sugarloaf Peak, from the White Mountains. All those alluvial streams meshing into the alluvial plain, the alluvial fan... And that's a great word to throw around when you're talking to biologists or park rangers. Throw in a bird name or two and they might even let you into their secret club. Now, alluvium is just the rocks and the gravel and whatever else washes down from the mountains. Lots of it silt and a little soil and sometimes chunks of gold and silver. Sometimes even gemstones, depending on the part of the world you're in. Sometimes you can just pick the gold up off the ground. That's what placer mining is all about, collecting... Silver and gold and gemstones from alluvial plains, from alluvial deposits along creeks and rivers, for the dry washes and bajadas of the deserts. But most alluvial fans are not covered in hundreds of barren circles of 15 feet across, maybe 20 feet. I mean, it looks like you could park a couple of cars on an average-sized mystery circle out there. And for scale, there's a house or two nearby with the usual desert collection of assorted vehicles and assorted states of disrepair. 
If you want to see these big weird circles for yourself, find where US 6 crosses the state line due east from Mono Lake, an hour's drive or so away. And now look six miles northeast of the state line at the base of the White Mountains. Now, Highway 6 runs right through the low part of this Bajada, and you should be able to see these circles off the side of the road. In fact, it's right there where Highway 6 has these weird extra lanes on either side. I can't remember what it's for. Maybe it's a way station or something, a place for truckers to sleep. Look on Street View and you'll see a big weird thing parked there alone, too. It looks like something you'd use to bore underground tunnels connecting secret military bases. Or you can just look at our website, desertoracle.com, and just click up top where it says Desert Oracle Radio. I collected some pictures in the various Twitter posts from a bunch of desert biologists and environmental professionals. What do you think these pictures show? What do you think they are? Now, our friend Patrick Donnelly with the Center for Biological Diversity in Nevada... He spread the word around the various desert rats on Twitter. Anybody involved in public work is on Twitter because they have to be, despite the indignities and disgraces of the format. Plus, it gets lonely out there now and then. It's beautiful and it's wonderful, but now and then you want to jabber to your far-flung pals working on various desert restoration projects across the southwest. The people who monitor the desert springs, who count the tortoises, who put up with a lot of nonsense, but who get the luxury of days spent outside, hours on the open road. Time to think it all over. And so the theories about the mystery circles were coming fast. Somebody said they're man-made, and then some wiseacre said it must be a vocational school for well diggers and a hydrogeologist called Erica Capybarica, if that is her real name, said she wanted to believe there really was a well diggers vocational school on the side of Highway 6. I want to believe, just like what's-his-name, the weird FBI agent. Now, Taylor McKinnon, also from the Center for Biological Diversity, said, well, they look like these harvester ant circles that have been noticed in satellite images of other desert bajadas. Red harvester ant hills. About four feet wide. Surrounded by hundred square foot circles cleared of all vegetation, like little bulldozers clearing the wild desert for a subdivision or a casino. And that was pretty convincing, but of course somebody has to go out there and make sure. Somebody has to do the science. So the scientist, Marianne Denton, who works in aquatic ecology, among many other things, 
did an emergency field science visit as she was already going to be in the area for other scientific work, just to make sure. Now this dirt road goes up to the trailhead for Sugarloaf Peak eventually. It's mostly public land, Inyo National Forest, but there's also a house or two up there. And those few structures are surrounded by giant ant nests. Hundreds of them. That was the theory. And now it has been confirmed. Two of the circles were examined and found to have ant hills in the middle. Ants do a lot of work in the desert. Ants do the work of worms out here because worms are few in the desert. We don't have that kind of soil, that kind of wormy soil most of the time. Not a lot of organic material. So what can be found on the sandy ground is collected and carried underground by the harvester ants. They collect the seeds and they have great storehouses underground. This is the food for the nest for all the little ants. For the queen, of course, the lazy queen. And these big underground nests can be connected to huge colonies. The ants make the tunnels and the tubes beneath the desert sand, beneath the desert crust. They're the cause of these hundreds of mysterious circles. A huge ant colony, maybe two miles long. And oh, the sting of a harvester ant just hurts like hell. Anyway, I'm going to get up there again soon myself. Going to visit Ant City. Or whatever it is. Sea Ant City. There are many clues on the ground in open desert. Many things are right out in the open. Up in Hawthorne, Nevada is the Navy's undersea warfare base. Now, the only water around is Walker Lake. Probably not too many submarine battles in there. But there are networks of strange patterns all around the base. You can see that from the satellite pictures. Bunkers covered in desert sand and whatever plants take up residence. There's some kind of crazy antenna farm there. Some people say it's buried. Some people say submarines go through an underground waterway that opens up somewhere around Malibu, of all places. And then the submarines somehow show up in northern Nevada, way up in the Great Basin Desert. Any place you're not welcome, like a military base in the desert, is always full of mysteries. Maybe not so mysterious to the people who work a 40-hour week behind the base gates. Because nothing stays mysterious for too long. Not if you are required to be there every work day. Even Jesus Christ got tired of it all. Even the Buddha. You read about those guys talking to their disciples and it sounds a whole lot like trying to get through to somebody on the customer service line. Make a human connection. Try to solve the problem. 
You don't want to yell, you don't want to be a jerk, but even the people who are on your side are often too dense to be of much help. Back in 2011, people went kind of nutty about all these weird structures picked up by satellites on the deserts of China, including one huge thing that's an 18-mile-long rectangular frame of wide straight lines divided up into triangles and such. You can probably see it pretty well from the moon. There's the Atacama Giant, and over by Blythe, there are those giant figures cut into the desert crust. And in the deserts of the Middle East, all sorts of mysterious gates and circles have been cataloged. Monuments to something, giant triangles carved into the deserts of Saudi Arabia, of unknown purpose studied by archaeologists of our time. There are triangles pecked into the ground of the Mojave, too. You'll see them on the trails above the Mojave River near Afton Canyon. Black triangles on the ground. Ancient things. Let's open up the Desert Oracle mailbag. I appreciate all your letters, electronic and otherwise. Most of your letters, anyway. Some people get put into the mark is red and skip inbox and delete forever category, unfortunately. There is some parable regarding customers... 5% of your customers make 95% of your problems. I can't remember exactly, but I agree with the sentiment. It applies pretty much anywhere in life. It's like that old Bob Dylan lyric about wishing that for just one time, you could stand inside my shoes because then you'd know what a drag it is to see you. I had to put Bob Dylan in the spam and delete forever category, in fact, unfortunately. I mean, it's not Bob Dylan, it's his marketing staff. But I had a busy week and there was all this garbage in the inbox and among these unwanted communications was an email announcing Bob Dylan's brand of mail order whiskey. Come on now. Let's have a little dignity in the final stretch. All right, here's one I set aside to read tonight. It is from Stephanie Johnson. She writes, Dear Desert Oracle Radio, My husband and I are huge fans, and it's our first wedding anniversary this week. We got married in Palm Springs last year at the Parker. The desert is really our special place. I wanted to see if it would be possible to maybe give a shout-out to surprise my husband, Darren. He recently wrote in, and you read his letter for the Desert Oracle mailbag. He was super stoked. 
Thanks a bunch, and we always look forward to every Friday. All my best, Stephanie. Well, Stephanie, thanks for the good note, and congratulations on staying married a whole year. That's pretty good these days. It sounds like you had a real nice wedding down there in Palm Springs. And if you have a real fun wedding, a real blowout, that kind of wedding where people get so loaded and are having so much fun being around all their friends, who all look great for once. Well, in the weeks and months to come, you will hear fantastic tales of weird antics, hotel keys passed around like business cards, divorce people getting back together again. You know what I'm talking about. People making life decisions. Well, and then the newlyweds have to go back to regular life after all that. Back home to some substandard apartment or shack, the indignity of wage labor, the debt racket. Just the terrible shock of it all. So congratulations, and I'd be glad to give you a shout-out, but we have a strict rule here. One mailbag appearance per household per year. I'm sorry to have to tell you this. But I hope you have a good second year of marriage, and I hope you both get to spend more time in the desert. We had a rare rainstorm a week or so back. I even got hail down at the office in Joshua Tree. And when you get rain in the desert, it's a fantastic thing. Because all the tracks on the dirt roads vanish. All the tire tracks and the bicycle tracks and on the trails, all the animal tracks vanish. It's all clean and fresh again. Well, it was between two short periods of rain, one in the early morning hours and one in the afternoon, I think. And we've got Tanine Allison on the line. Tanine was taking a midday walk, the kind of thing you usually don't do this time of year because it's already too hot out, but it was nice and cool between the rains with the cloud cover. So she took some pictures and... These pictures will be on our website. Take a look after the program, if you remember. It's a pretty strange thing, and that's really the kind of thing we like quite a lot out here. We have Tanine Allison from Joshua Tree on the line. She recently sent a strange series of photographs to people around town up here. It was last week on one of the about two days of spring that we actually have in the desert. So one of the days that it was raining in the the 60s, which is unusual right now. And I went on a midday hike to try to get out and catch some of the rain and noticed while on the hike right outside of Joshua Tree in between the town and the park, 
these unusual tracks along the way that went down the main kind of dirt road in the area on for a while. And there were these three quad tracks that were not, I couldn't identify what they were. And so I, I took photos and sent it around to people expecting that somebody would just reply with an obvious answer that I didn't know. But it turned out that nobody in town, the numerous people I know who know about desert things, really had any sort of clear answer. So they're not roadrunner tracks or quail tracks or no. that type of thing. How how no. big would you say these were? I have a decently large dog, 70-pound wolf-looking dog, and they were twice the size of his track. Most of it claw, that's the track. And from claw to heel, it looks like, what, about four inches, you estimated? I would guess about that. Now, this road is usually covered in mountain bike tracks and footprints and various animal tracks, but on this occasion, rare enough in the desert, it was not, and that's because... So it rained in the morning, and I was out there around one or two, and it rained right before I left. So rare day where that road, you could see the tracks and it had kind of cleared the earlier tracks and it looks like whatever this thing was walked down the road between the morning rain and when I was there in the afternoon rain and it was notable even my, my dog doesn't stay on the road <laughs> so it was notable that this thing had just kind of stayed on the straight track down the road, down the dirt road Now you circulated these photographs to people around town and you told me they made their way to some park rangers at the Desert National Park here. What did they come up with? What were their ideas? <laughs> well, I, I, this is not, I didn't talk to the rangers, but a friend of mine did. And the first guest, there's a gathering of rangers that happened to be that night. And so a friend of mine showed them to the rangers at this gathering. And uh, they jokingly suggested crocodile because they didn't know what it was. And it does, in fact, if you actually look up crocodile tracks, it does not look dissimilar from this. So the range, the gathering of rangers really couldn't guess what, what this could be. And the same friend then later reached out to a park biologist whose best guess was that it was a badger and that the tracks only uh, captured some of the claws because there's just like three clear claws and most of these um, and badgers have more. And so that... That was the best guess anybody could come up with, is that it was some sort of large badger, which is rare out here, but apparently there was one black rock last year, so occasionally it happens, but that was the best guess. Everybody else kind of, anybody guessing real animals, lots of uh, chupacabra guesses. Some people guess raccoon, but I can't find anything that would show raccoon paws this large and with claws like this. So badger was the best guess from, from the park biologist. Badger? Black Rock. Black Rock Canyon is the highest elevation campground of the National Park, and that's 1,200, 1,400 feet higher in elevation than Joshua Tree, where these things, these prints were seen. Did the biologists mention anything about the altitude discrepancy between Joshua Tree, this valley being a good 1,200 feet lower in elevation than Black Rock Canyon, where badgers have occasionally been seen? Not to my but again, I'm not sure whether my friend emailed or texted the biologist. I'm not sure what. It's, again, a, a phone tree in the desert, right? I just got word back that the biologist said, well, it looked most likely to be a badger um, and, and asked where it was. But I don't. There, it wasn't a, a thorough exchange about elevations and landscapes. 
You know, I think most people grasp for what is known. So again, I get a lot of skunks. Uh, everybody wanted to kind of jump on the badger possibility. Chupacabra is the the one that came up most often as far as a theory that's not explained by a biology book. I think it kind of comes back to whether people want to believe that there's things that are unknown or, or not. And most people want to know what it is and want to believe it's the thing that we know. But the vast majority of people just said, I have no idea. I grew up in the Mojave Desert, right? So on the west side where Yucca Man took different forms <laughs> in how he was seen. And it was one of those people who grew up, you know, a kid with like my childhood sport was a creosote bush. One of the things I realized too, kind of thinking through this is like, this was an unknown thing that I saw, but as a desert raised person, the line between what's unknown and what's known is almost non-existent. Like you almost don't categorize, is this some animal that I could point to in a book versus is this some unknown thing in the desert? Because it's so common that things in the desert don't make sense. From Amboy to Zizix and across the Great Mojave Wilderness, this has been Desert Oracle Radio. We broadcast to you from KCDZ 107.7 FM in Joshua Tree in the High Desert each Friday night at 10 p.m. And everywhere all the time with your favorite podcast player. Take a look at our website, DesertOracle.com, for information on all such things, including the musical tracks you hear by Red, Blue, Black, Silver. And this broadcast is brought to you by Desert Oracle, the pocket-sized field guide to the strange and mysterious American desert. We are pretty happy with book number seven and even happier that so much progress has already been made on Desert Oracle number eight. Coming to you late this summer. And weirdly enough, book nine is more or less worked out. Just have to type it up. You can order a subscription or back issues of Desert Oracle at our website. Or mail a check or money order for $25 to Desert Oracle, P.O. Box 1735 in Joshua Tree. I'll send you four of these little yellow desert guides as I get them made and published. And remember that number eight is our special issue marking the 50th anniversary of Edward Abbey's Desert Solitaire which we're doing with the help of our friends at Back of Beyond Books in beautiful Moab, Utah. You can go to Desert Solitaire 50, that's the number 50, DesertSolitaire50.com. Leave your thoughts and memories of Desert Solitaire, a book that changed a lot of people's lives and in important ways changed how wild desert is appreciated by our society, by us. And if you write something really pretty, it might even show up in our Abbey issue. Don't forget your hat out there. Don't follow GPS directions down a washed-out road. 
and good night from the Voice of the Desert. 